First Thessalonians chapter two, beginning at the first verse. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So good evening. Welcome to St. John's. Uh, if this is your first time, my name is Aaron. I'm the assistant minister here. Very warm welcome to you. Uh, since you are seated in your tables already, and if you're not, that's okay. Uh, you can just think in your own head. But I'll give you 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Um, discuss among yourselves, or just shout out, what's the worst you've ever experienced when you tried to talk to someone about Jesus? 30 seconds, go. All right, time. Okay, can um, one or two of you just shout out your answer? So, um, if people come here, I'll repeat the answer. So, what's the worst? Just give us something. I thought I heard something from this table. <laughs> Being shouted at by your sister. So, okay, so that's from within the family. Anyone can beat that? Continue opposition by friends. So often it's, it comes from people that we know of, we are close to. So um, for those who didn't get to share your answers, um, sorry. Uh, I, even though I didn't hear that, but still I feel sorry for, for you, for us who we have to experience that. But um, while well, we continue our, continuing our series on Paul's letter to the Thessalonian believers to see how eternity changes everything. And why would they still carrying on with their faith? Why would they want to grow? Why would they, why had, had they become the, the model church examples for um, Christians around the whole region? Um, in chapter one, which Tom briefly told us already about, Paul, Paul opened his letter by giving thanks. Um, or if, you, if you've closed your Bible, maybe just open it back up 
on page 1187, and just leave it in front of you. You got a table right in front of you, so it shouldn't be hard to keep it open. Uh, so Paul, Paul opens his letter by giving thanks and celebrating the Thess- Thessalonians' faith, their love for others, and their hope in Jesus, despite severe suffering from their persecution. And then Paul goes on to talk about how they have turned away from a lifestyle of worshipping idol to now serve the living and true God. And now they are waiting for the coming of God's Son from heaven. So in summary, the overwhelming love of God and the hope of Jesus' return made all the suffering and waiting worthwhile. So that was chapter 1. And then Paul continues in his letter to to the Thessalonian believers and talked about the reasons why he and his team shared the gospel with them and the friendship they formed with them. Uh, So those are the two main things we will look at this evening. Firstly, Paul talks about the reason he, he dared to share the gospel of God with them, how it is possible for him to witness without fear Uh, Verse 1, we'll make it easy, just go through verse by verse. Verse 1, Paul says that their visit to Thessalonica Thessalonica, was not without result. In fact, the reason Paul was writing to them was because the Thessalonians coming to know Jesus was was their result. In verse 2, Paul describes that back in Philippi, Philippi, Before they came to Thessalonica, they were treated outrageously. So if you look at this map here, uh, on the top left corner, that that cluster there, you can probably see Macedonia. And so that was the region he was at. Um, So he he was writing to people in Thessalonica. But before, before he went to Thessalonica, he and Silas and the team, they were in Philippi, which was in Thrace, sorry, it's not in Thrace, but it's in Macedonia, Macedonia. just kind of bordering Thrace, if that helps. So they were there, they were mistreated, they were treated outrageously. Uh, if, you, if you go to Acts chapter 16, in your own time later, you, you'll see the whole story. Uh, 17 is when they were in Thessalonica, and 16 was when they were in Philippi, Philippi. Um, Acts 16 tells us that Paul and Silas, they were stripped and beaten with rods, uh, severely flogged, then thrown into jail. Now, the problem was Paul and Silas, they were Roman citizens. And as Roman citizens, you have rights. You can't just carry out any punishment to a Roman citizen without a trial. That's a big no-no. So Paul and Silas have been outrageously and shamefully insulted back in Philippi. And this is the kind of treatment Paul and his teammates get all the time. And why why is that? Because they were preaching Jesus, telling others the way to be saved. But people hated that because the truth exposes lies. Uh, The light exposes what's been hiding in darkness. And so anyone who would not come to the light is one who hates the light. Then 
naturally they would want to get rid of the light. So please don't be discouraged if after you share Jesus with, with others, you don't get the desired outcome. Uh, still in verse 2, Paul says, in the face of strong opposition, we dared to tell you this gospel. Uh, last year, during one of the Sunday services, Tom got us all to fill out a, a quick online survey, trying to find out why we don't always share the gospel with others. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, the result from, from us pretty much was in line with the, the world's average. One of the biggest reasons why Christians don't share their faith is fear. Fear of rejection, fear of being ridiculed or abused by others, maybe even the fear of persecution. So how is it that in the midst of severe suffering and persecution, Paul and his team can still share the, the gospel? Uh, Paul says, it's because we have God's help, we can be bold. Now, if we, if we read uh, Acts 17 and then 18, uh, we can see how after that three weeks Paul spent with uh, the Thessalonian believers, he then fled to Berea. And after that, he fled to Athens. And after the while, Paul ended up in Corinth, where he wrote this letter to to the Thessalonian believers. And while, while Paul was in Corinth, the Lord spoke to Paul, saying, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. Does that encourage the Thessalonian believers? I, I think so. Without God's help, I dared not to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. But because God is with me, therefore I have the courage to boldly proclaim. So that was Paul speaking. Even Paul was afraid. So now we know that Paul's secret of being bold is with God's help. But what's the reason behind him wanting to share the gospel? And he says in verse 3, Nope, we've got no hidden agendas. We're definitely not trying to trick you. If you really, really want to know, verse 4, we genuinely wanted to pass on the gospel to you because this is the message entrusted to us. And sharing it with others makes God happy. Uh, take it or leave it. Verse 5, we don't use flattery words. We're definitely not here for your money. Verse 6, we're not here looking for people's praises or approval. Oh, and, and please know this. We could fuse our authority to make you guys listen to our messages. But no, that's not how it works. Verse 7, but instead, we were like young children among you. Have you ever seen children making a discovery? It's like a world-changing news we all change experience to, to the kids. Uh, I remember vividly in my first year at primary school, during one of the science classes, we learned about how Earth rotates and how Earth rotates around the sun and how it self-rotates. 
And that, that's why we have the sun rising from the east and sets at west. Then came the break time. I look up at the, at the sky. And I look, at, it was a clear sunny day, I still remember it. There are a few patches of cloud in the sky. So I look at the clouds. And I saw the clouds moving from east to the west. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. I can see the, the earth. I can see earth moving. <laughs> so as I ran to my teacher and, and told, told her, teacher, teacher, it's so exciting. You're, you're right, the earth is moving. I can see, you know, the earth moving. And then she just said, I think that's the wind blowing the, the clouds. <laughs> oh, that was, that was so discouraging hearing from, that, from her. But equally, I think she might, might be discouraged or disappointed of, you know, what kind of student is this? Uh, well, um, let's not talk about how, how discouraged I might be or how disappointed she was. But this, this is the kind of innocence, the naivety, uh, the kind of excitement you get from, from young children when they discover something. So like, like young children among them, no hidden agendas, no impure motives. Paul simply wanted to share with everyone what he knows. He genuinely wants everyone to hear the good news, and he'd be thrilled if everyone else could also come to Jesus. Paul and his team dared to share the gospel because God, God is with them, and they have God's help. And they were approved by God, and they wanted to please God only. Having just told the Thessalonian believers, how they were like children among them, Paul suddenly flips it around and said to the Thessalonians how he and his team were also like parents who, who cared them enough to share with them not only the gospel, which is our second point. Uh, let me introduce you to, to this American guy, Penn Gillette. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. He's, he's a comedian, a magician. And he's very open about being an atheist. So he doesn't believe in God. Okay? But in, in one of his videos that he made, he talked about an encounter uh, he had with a Christian guy who genuinely cared for him. And he was very, very touched and moved by that experience. But then he carried on asking, why most Christians aren't, aren't like this guy? Uh, here's what he said. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make, make it socially awkward for you, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that ev everlasting is possible and not tell them that? Gillette then said, if I believe beyond the shadow of doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe that the truck was bearing down on you, there is a certain point where I tackle you. Uh, in your table again, one minute this time. What do you think, verse 8, sharing with people 
not only the gospel, but with their own lives look like to you. Now, let's carry on. Uh, so, well, um, in our second half of our passage, I think Paul was doing the exact opposite of what Gillette described. Paul switched gear and uses this um, really intimate parent and child metaphor. He tells us that he and his team cared for the Thessalonians like a nursing mother cares for her children because they loved them so much. They shared with them not only the gospel of God, but their lives as well. And the emotion Paul described is a strong yearning of a mother for her children. She's ready to give all of her life, her soul, her entire being to protect her children. To a point that if the child failed to listen to her, listen to her warning about a fast approaching truck bearing down on them, she'd tackle her child. I remember years back in a church I used to go to uh, back in New Zealand, there was a lady who was six or seven months pregnant. And it was after a baptism service, she went into the toilet, uh, not knowing that some of those who got baptized also used that same toilet as the changing room. So she slipped on, on the wet floor. But her instinct was to protect her unborn baby. So as she fell, she forced herself to awkwardly land on, on her left knee, I think, uh, and, and then she fractured her knee. But she landed on her knee so that she wouldn't have to land on her bum or, or her belly. Uh, she fractured her knee and ended up on the crouch for two months, but the baby was fine. So I think this is a good picture of what Paul meant, what Paul meant when he said he loved the Thessalonians so much that they shared with them not only the gospel, but the whole of their lives as well. No one forced Paul and, and his team to do that, but they're giving it all to the Thessalonians unreservedly. How did Paul and his team share their life with Thessalonian believers? Verse 9. With toil and hardship, night and day, they worked hard. As a nursing mother cares for her children, it's labor prompted by love, just like chapter 1, verse 3. Um, this is the kind of love that demands nothing back. Back in verse 5 of chapter 2, no matter what he said or how he said it, Paul probably just can't prove to the Thessalonians that he, his motive was, um, was pure. His motive of sharing the gospel was genuine and pure. And that's why he said, God is our witness. But now, looking at how they shared their lives with the Thessalonian believers, Paul says in verse 10, you are witnesses. Obviously, God, God too. God is our witness still. But you are witnesses. Paul appeals to their memories. Surely you can all still remember, can't you? They've seen and they could still remember how Paul and his team lived and spent time with them. Righteous? Tick. Blameless? Tick. 
Sounds a little bit like Paul was boasting, was he? But if someone comes along and starts to slander Paul, if someone falsely accuses Paul, they, the Thessalonians, they can then testify and say, nope, what you said about Paul isn't true. Paul and his gang are the genuine loving bunch because they have witnessed how Paul lived amongst them. They can verify if other people are telling truth or lies based on what they have experienced directly from Paul. And they can testify what Paul, that the Paul's conduct indeed lined up with what he shared, what he preached. And the reason Paul reminded them of him being righteous and blameless, it wasn't to boast about it, but instead, I think it's, it's an encouragement for the Thessalonian believers to do the same, to live righteously and blamelessly. As chapter 1, verse 6 describes, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And if they agreed that Paul and his team really were righteous and blameless, then they know they could and they would in, imitate Paul and his teammates. And finally, verses 11 and 12, here's another, you know, you know, you've experienced, you know that. You know how we've dealt with each other, so with, with each of you, each individuals, you individually, just like a father to his children, encouraging you, comforting you, and most importantly, to urge you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. What about you and I? We're giving the most exciting message that people need to hear. Our church's vision is living for Jesus, sharing his good news. A friend of mine once told me, uh, with all the connections we have now with internet and uh, globalization, he reckons that everyone on this planet knows someone who calls themselves Christians. Don't know if that's true. But then the real challenge is, do they know someone who's truly following Jesus? So not, not just knowing someone who's a Christian, but do they know someone who's truly follow, following Jesus, who's really living for Jesus? Are you, or, or am I, someone who people can point to and say, oh, that person, yeah, he, he's a real deal. Or she's what a Christian should look like, should be like, who lives out what she believes. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for making yourself known to us. And thank you for those whom you used to fearlessly share the gospel with us so that we got to hear the gospel in the first place. Would you help us to remember always that you are ever with us? And because of that, with your help, we can be bold, making you known to others as well. We thank you for those who not only shared the gospel with us, but also their lives as well, so that through them we, 
we got to see what it is like to become like your son, Jesus. And thank you for calling us into your kingdom and glory. Please help us to also be encouraging each other, comforting each other, and urging each other to live our lives worthy of you. In your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.